0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. Please join us in person this Sunday for Bible study at 930 or our worship service at 1035. We promise that you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please visit our website, gpindi.net. Let's join our service already in progress. Okay, I'm gonna do a little series uh, the next three weeks. I'm going to look at the death of Christ today and uh, next week we'll look at, since it's Palm Sunday, we have communion, so I'll just be brief, but I'll be speaking about the once for all sacrifice and then the following week is Easter and he's alive, right? He's resurrected, he's alive. So I'm going to do this little series, so this morning uh, my message is the long darkness and day of the cross. The long darkness and day of the cross. You know, sometimes I think as preachers, uh, we don't like to be repetitious, but there are some things you need to preach on so that people allows it to be reminded, but also ingrained so they don't forget it in certain things. And so I'll just be telling about the story of how Christ went to the cross this morning. And uh, some of us old timers, we've heard this story over and over but it's a good thing to have a refreshing course, amen, a refresh course. And so uh, remember when Christ, is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he's praying. He sweats, as it were, uh, great drops of blood. And they tell us that under certain stresses that uh, the blood can break down and be disrupted. And actually you can ooze out blood through your pores or your skin. And so Jesus Christ, there he is. It's a spiritual battle that night. And uh, it's a warfare. The devil's attacking him like crazy. The upcoming cross, everything he's going to have to experience. And all of this coming down on him to fulfill the Father's will because the Father loved us and sent his only begotten Son. And so here he is, and he's sweating, as it were, drops of blood, and he's doing that for us. Uh, much like the church, though, what were his disciples doing? They were sleeping or snoring, okay? They, they were out of it at the moment, and they couldn't pray with him for an hour. And so uh, they all are awakened because Judas, he leads the guards to where Jesus was, Uh, Judas, he gives the betrayal kiss to identify who Christ was to some of the guards. Then it says in John 18, verse 4, just follow the verses of the story. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. (laughs) They knew that they were in the presence of somebody special and they went backwards at first. But Jesus is arrested. He's First of all, he's taken to Annas. Annas is the former high priest. He's the father-in-law of the fella, who's the priest at that present time there. Out of respect as an elder religious statesman, uh, he is consulted first. And the thing, to understand that all this was prearranged before to set up the plot that they would have Jesus killed. That was the purpose of it all. John 18, 19 and following says, The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said what? Said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? You begin to see what's going to be taking place. This blow by this officer here was just the beginning of violence that Jesus is going to be experiencing this night going into the morning to the cross. He's taken from Annas to Caiaphas. He's the present high priest. He's the son-in-law of this former one. It's about 3 a.m. in the morning. All the people are assembled of these leaders. And that shows you right there, it's a plot. How many people would be up at 3 o'clock in the morning having a meeting? You understand what I'm saying? So all of this was pre-arranged. Now just follow the flow of the story. Matthew 26, 57. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and elders were assembled. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last they found two witnesses. Then it says, and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. You remember when he said that? He wasn't referring to the literal buildings, but his own body, the temple, right? In three days he would come alive. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it with these witnesses against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, in other words, you've said it. <laughs> Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, his fathers, and coming in the cloud of, clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we, these witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What thank ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then they spit in his face and buffeted him. That means they hit him with their fists. And others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smoteth thee? So we have here, he's taken to Caiaphas. He's a puppet of Rome. When he spoke, that was a law to the Jews. He allows false witnesses to come in against Christ. Jesus says he is the Christ. And they say, that's blasphemy. And they begin to strike him. Luke 22, 63, And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote? From that point, they take him to the Sanhedrin then. That's a council of 70 elders that sat in total authority over the Jews. So we come to them, Luke twenty-two, sixty-six, 66. And, and I'll make sense of all this, I'll draw it together, I promise. As soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together. And led him into their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, ye will not believe. Then said they all, Art thou the Son of God? And he said unto them, Ye say that I am. And they said, What need we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. There we see this council. They find him guilty. That's all the Sanhedrin ever needed. They cry out blasphemy. They begin to beat Jesus. They begin to spit on him. They charge him not for blasphemy, though. They charge him for insurrection. Insurrection means against the government. That way, Pilate would hear their case. So at this moment, Jesus, he's bloody and he's bruised. A lot of people, I had a guy say this to me one time when I was younger in the Lord, but he said he said this, like others, that Jesus never claimed to be the Christ or the Son of God. And I, at that moment, could not remember my verses. I was having difficulties, but I've never forget it since. Mark 14, but he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Are Thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed God. And Jesus said, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man, and so on. So Jesus Christ does claim that he is the Son of God. He is God himself in flesh. Then they take him to Pilate, Mark. 15.1 says, And straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. Now remember who Pilate is. He's the Roman governor of Judea. He's anti-Semitic. He doesn't like the Jews. He only had to answer to Caesar. He had gone through the ranks As a soldier, he was cruel, notorious, reputation, brutal, violent, a murderer, nice guy. (laughs) And, but he, it's interesting, I, I was reading, he himself though was under investigation by Rome. So we can see why he had some indecisiveness when he was dealing with Jesus in order to save his own neck. (laughs) Here, though, notice Luke 23, verses 1 through 4. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. Insurrection, right? Saying that he himself is Christ, the king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Are thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. (laughs) Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. That blew the minds of the religious leaders. They go on the show how much they hate him. Luke 23, 5. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. They, the religious leaders of Israel just don't like Jesus. They hate him because if he's the true one, they needed to repent and give up all their wealth that they had gained through religion. They didn't want to do that. But again, Pilate says this in verse 6 and 7. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. You see, Pilate, he said, oh boy, here's a loophole. I won't have to deal with him. I'll send him to Herod because he has jurisdiction and he's in Jerusalem right now. So they take him to Herod. Herod's family, they were brutal. They killed members of their own family. The Herod family actually were the godfathers of the ancient world. It's the same herald, Herod that actually called for the beheading of John the Baptist. Jesus had called him that old fox. <laughs> so Herod, when he hears that they're bringing Jesus in, he was kind of excited. He wanted Jesus to perform some type of miracle. And so he asked him to do that. And uh, the men put a robe on Jesus. They begin to mock him and so on. But Jesus just remains silent. So it wasn't so exciting to Herod. So what did Herod do? He sends him back to Pilate. (laughs) So he goes back to Pilate. It's about 7.30 a.m. Pilate thought he had outmaneuvered the problem for himself. But here he is again. So Pilate thinks of another approach. So, how can I do this and not make be such an uproar? And so he said, once a year at Passover, the governor has the ability to free one prisoner of the people's choice. And so there was a violent prisoner in prison. His name was Barabbas. Okay? And so Pilate, he has Barabbas, he has Jesus, and he says in Matthew 27, 20 and following, but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. So Pilate says in verse 26 Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. You know, these religious leaders were hypocrites, they hated Rome. But when it came to Jesus, they said, we have no king but Caesar. That was the Jewish religious leaders. Here they take Jesus and they scourge him. I don't have all the parts to it because of time, but they stripped him of his clothes. They tie him to a post. They use what's known as the cat of nine tails. It's leather straps on the the end of each strap was a, a, an object, a hard object, some bone, some metal, whatever it might be. A Roman lector, they call him. Uh, Swindoll said this, he was a professional torturer. And Jesus is relentlessly beaten by this man. You know, the Jews would beat you on your back 39 times. 13 on the left side, 13 on the right side, 13 in the middle. But the Romans were more severe. They beat the man until they were satisfied themselves. The scourging was used to leave the body to be strips of raw flesh. And in order to keep the victim from passing out, they would throw salt water on him. To rise him up. Psalm 129, verse 3 says this, the plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. That's referring to the back of Christ. Isaiah 52, 14, as many were astonished at thee at Christ, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. They did a job on Jesus. It wasn't some little polite beating. These people were butchers. Jesus at this time, he's a mutilated mess. He's to be led to be crucified. He stands wobbly. His nervous system is gone. He's shaking uncontrollably. Pilate's men, insensitive, They put a crown of thorns on his head. They repeatedly hit him with a reed or pole or staff like in the head. They mock him as king of the Jews. They were treating him as a comic figure like our society does today. Can you imagine the language going on simultaneously? By the way, some of us have been to this play where they play the game of the kings. It's written on the floor before they start the march to Calvary. Matthew 27, 29, and when they had platted a crown of thorns, they put it up on his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, hell, king of the Jews. And they spit up on him and they took the reed and smote him on the, on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on and led him away to crucify him. So it's time for this badly beaten person called Jesus Christ. It's time to carry the cross. I did a study on that one time. It's very, it was very long. It was like anywhere from 15 to 20 feet long. And as he carries the cross, he leaves behind him a trail of his precious blood. They call that, march Via Della Rosa. Did I say that right, Carol? I said that right, thank you. And finally, after he had gone so far, somebody measured, he carried the cross for 650 yards and then he falls. And when he falls, they compel Simon of Cyrene to carry the cross. To ensure Jesus would arrive at the same time the cross, they tie a rope around him and kind of drag him if he couldn't walk with the cross. Finally, he makes it to Golgotha. It's called the place of the skull, Calvary. We've been there, a number of us here, and you can look at it and you can see the face. You can see the eyes and the face the place of the skull. It was amazing when we were there. Jesus lays his lacerated back on the beam of the cross. The soldiers fasten him to that cross by using three nails, one in each wrist and the other through his feet, one through his feet. They fasten him to it. Some men then lift the cross up and they drop it and in a prepared hole about six to eight feet deep in order to keep the cross from wobbling so much, it had a, a good control, firm foundation in a sense. That's why the cross was longer at the time. The excruciating pain mounts, you can only imagine. To breathe, the only way to do it was to push up with his feet on those nails, to try to get a breath to his lungs. Jesus hung on the cross for three hours. As a matter of fact, the sun was darkened. It made it kind of dim around Judea area there. It was a supernatural thing by God. Each breath moved him closer to death. Now here he is. He's been betrayed, abandoned by friends, falsely accused, publicly humiliated, Beaten beyond recognition, thorns driven in his head, crucified as a common criminal. Jesus, though innocent, endured the pain unimaginable. And to top it all off, laid on him was the punishment for all our sin. Jesus, in that sense, he took our hell. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. The purpose I came has been completed. The sacrifice has been made. It is done. And he gave up the ghost, always in control of when he would leave this world. And when he died on the cross, suddenly the veil in the temple, the curtain was torn in half. It was a curtain between the holy place and the holy of holies. I was just reading last night to make sure of my statistics. It was about 60 foot tall, several inches thick, this curtain, and God just ripped it like that. It was to show that Israel's religion could not save anybody and God was not a part of the religion. He was not behind that curtain at that time because Israel had turned their back on him. But the main reason is it showed that the final lamb to ever be sacrificed was done, accomplished once for all. No more lambs ever needed to be sacrificed. And then also there was the earthquake. Things begin to shake. It was like God's punctuation. He was crying out, "Attention, Hey! My son's sacrifice has been completed. The reason he came to this world, it's over for him. Now you can be saved. And then some graves, they burst open. Some of the people came out and went into the villages. I can only imagine something like that. And then, of course, the centurion. He was a soldier. He was a man's man. He was over a hundred other soldiers. He He feared death very little. But yet he had to come to the conclusion, after all the evidence, probably seeing Christ from his arrest to the cross, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. He wasn't just an ordinary man. He was the God man. And I think to myself, why would Christ do that and go through all of that? It's very simple. Romans 5, 8 says this here. But God committeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's why he went through all of that. It was for you and it was for me. And we know that three days later, he rose from the grave victoriously, conquering death itself. And because of what Christ went through and did for us, making the final payment for our sins himself, he said, if you will believe that I am the Son of God, that I did die for your sins, and I rose again three days later, and that's enough to save you if you in your mind will transfer that to your heart and mean it in your heart god this was for me i don't know about him it's for me i believe god i believe it with all my heart and when you come to that point that you believe in that gospel of grace god will save you that very moment But also, for us who know this story and we're being reminded of it a little bit today, what about us? How can we go on and live our life when he's done so much for us? You see, all of this was for us. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 says... For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. The love of Christ there. That's why he went to the cross. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You see, what God requires of us to be saved is nothing. Christ has done everything. We just need to believe that. But after we do become a believer, he doesn't want us just to hang in the old life and the old world. He says, listen, I have a new life for you. I want to give you a life that will honor me. I honored you by going to the cross. Now, will you be a vessel that will honor me? And as we look at the cross and we think about those things, we can't help but come to the conclusion, Lord, here's my life. Here's my all. I pray I can do something for your glory. I hope that as a believer, that's your heart today. Let's bow our heads. What a true story. (laughs) It's real. It's history. But it's God's word that tells us the story with the reason behind it. God loves you today. And right there where you are in your own heart, believe him today. Believe this story of who Christ is and what he's done for you. And that's enough to save you. Believe that. And I promise you, if you will believe that in your heart, God will save you that very moment. But to us that are saved, what are we doing with our lives? Is our life filled with other things and crowding him out? Is our life all wrapped up in the cares of the world? When do I ever do anything for Christ? I believe it's time to step up and say, God, I'm grateful for what you've done for me. And as a testimony of that, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to give you my life. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And when you come to that decision to surrender your life, God has a new journey for your life. It's a great life. Hardships, yes. Testings, yes. Mockery, sometimes. Difficult, often. But wonderful, Amen and amen. God, we give you glory today for what you've done. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? I'm going to stop there. Let me just say to you that if you believe that, I have a book here, and I want to give it to you just to help you in your new walk with Christ if today you did believe in the gospel. And uh, just uh, come up here. I'll give it to you, and you can walk away. Also, if you're here and you say, you know, I'd like to join Grace Point and uh, we'll be here right at the front, just come up and say, you know, I'd like to be a part of the church here and we'll take you right there and uh, we'll take care of the rest with you. And so let me encourage you about that. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.